Another Way to Play, episode 103. This whole idea, like, you know, find your passion and build your business, that's such a fucking crock of shit, dude. It's such a lie. Like, and I know a lot of business crews be like, don't listen to Kayvon. He's crazy. No, it's a lie when you're starting out. When, you're, when you already have a solid foundation and you have all the expertise and you have all the growth and you know how to build multiple business, then you can go build a passion project that turns into it because you can't. Like, sometimes you got to do the thing you don't want to do to get to the place you got to go. Hey, this is Kayvon K, sales expert, speaker, and consultant, also formerly known as the One Call Closer. And if you want to learn how to make the next best chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good old friend, Hans Strazina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is a master in sales and closing, expert keynote speaker, and creator of the One Call Closer methodology, Kayvon K. Through his years of experience, he's mastered the art of sales, working with high-paid consultants and most influential coaches and most successful closers, of course. So in this one, we get to get a little bit of a glimpse into his world on what makes a successful salesperson and how you can use this not only in your business engagements, but in your everyday life. So there's a lot of really great takeaways that you're going to want to check out on this one. Almost too many to name, frankly, but really excited to bring this one to you. If you get some value out of this, please head over to iTunes and leave it a rating and review because it really helps me grow and really gives me some great feedback. So thanks in advance for that. And I appreciate it. And without any further ado, let's just go ahead and bring him in. So here's my interview with Kayvon K. Kayvon, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. Hans, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you've got a lot of stuff out happening in the world. You've got some really cool sales stuff and we're going to get into all of that. But first, let's build some context and talk to the audience about where your journey actually began. Yes. I always smile when people ask me, where did the journey begin? Because I ask them, you want the long story, the short or the medium? You know, because I always think uh, (laughs) my story, you know, really first began when I look back at it, like when I was in grade one. When before I even got the grade one, they had diagnosed me with, you know, every letter in the book, ADD, ADHD, LD. They said I had, I always love it. I'll never forget. They said that I had learning disabilities in reading, writing, mathematics, and communication. Let me just say that again. Reading, writing, mathematics, communication. What was left? Phys ed? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what yeah, I mean? Right. I was a scrawny little kid and you're saying my only hope is phys ed? Uh, so through there, I always, I hate to say it, but I was kind of the, um, what do you call it? The underdog, right? I always just kind of lived my mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. as the underdog. So I've always felt like my back was up always against the wall. And I was always, you know, protecting, you know, who I was protecting, you know, the real version of who I knew I was at the time, but most importantly, the version of the man I knew I could be. 
uh, you know, and it was, it was challenging though. And by the time you're 20 years old, I was in university and I'll never forget when the uh, head of resources or, you know, back in the day we called SPED, right? Special education mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. said that, uh, I was like just playing out stupid and I should quit university and go get a factory job. And after 20 years of hearing that, you tend to believe that, especially at that age mm -hmm. when you're going through a lot of change and uncertainty. And what ended happening for me was I ended up getting caught up into that whole corporate world kind of attitude idea. Oh, if I can climb the corporate world, oh, I'll just outwork everybody. I'll outsmart everybody. I'll just show up, do an extra hour earlier, stay an extra hour later and play that game. And I did okay. I did well. I mean, I ended up my last corporate career, I ended up being uh, the number one pharmaceutical sales rep in, uh, the, for the largest uh, pharmaceutical company uh, in the world. And for me, that was, you know, uh, at that point, I thought that was the high life. You know, I was 30 years old yeah. at the time, actually like 28, 29 years old. I had the company credit card, right? I had the company car. Oh, yeah. Expense I was account. the expense account in the pharmaceutical industry. You can only imagine how far that went, right? Right. But I was just miserable, man. I was working one day a week. <laughs> I was in the best shape of my life, but I was, my spirit was miserable because I knew that I wasn't living my full potential. I knew I had so much more to give and I was looking at the corporate world and I wasn't, I was, let's get real here. I wasn't built uh, for the corporate world. You know what I mean? I should listen to that one thing they were saying when I was in grade <laughs> one, right? I wasn't built to be told to be stood in line and built to be told to do and tell me what to do. I tell people, I said, you tell me what to do. We're going to have some serious freaking problems. Ask me mm -hmm. politely mm -hmm. what to do and I'll make sure it happens, right? And uh, that doesn't work in mm -hmm. corporate, as you know, no matter how high you got. And I watch and I got, and I have a lot of great friends, the senior executives. I got friends that are CEOs of major, like major car companies. And I see what they have to go through. I would never do that. <laughs> you couldn't pay me, you know, million dollars to do that. Uh, and again, it's just not who I am. It's not built to my character. Now, I always say that the people that do do that. Fantastic. We need those people there. We need people in every aspect of the world. So, mm -hmm. you know, my friends that are in that kind of space, I love it. They were made for it. You can tell they were made for it and we're completely opposites. Right. So I had to have that conversation. Well, what do I do? And what I try to do is all, because I had the part time, right. You see a lot of people, right. And I think, you know, your audience is that person who's kind of going corporate or they're working and they're looking to go on their own for the first time around. And they're looking to take that leap. For me, it didn't work. Yep. The half and half didn't work. And I'll tell you why. Anytime you have a plan B, plan A is never going to happen. Mm -hmm. Because every time plan A becomes hard, becomes challenging, you face a wall, it's easy to sh jump ship and go to plan B. Mm -hmm. So for me, I saw that for a year. For a whole year, I saw myself have the ideas, want it, talk about it, dream about it. But every time it involved me actually doing the hard work, just say, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. Let me go for a run. Let me go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that because I was making really good money with corporate that I wasn't in a pain. I wasn't in a situation where it was do or die. So I had to make that decision where most people can't do it. And I say that, like, if you're one of those people that when the pressure starts coming, you start breaking, you start crumbling, right. it's not for you. I'm sorry. It's not for you. But if you're one of those people that when the pressure starts coming, your back's against the wall and you actually know how to put your guns out and you can fight and you know how to stay strong and stand your foundation and withhold anything that comes your way, then sometimes it's what it takes and what it's needed 
to go to that next level. And for me, that's what it was needed. I had to lose everything. I had to quit my job. I had to change my city. I had to move across the country from my families. I had to completely transform the person I wanted to be. I had to give up who I was so I can birth the man I was becoming. I mean, I love what you just said. And I think it's really powerful. And I'm sure there's some people who are listening to this, like totally identifying with this, but like, let's back up to that moment when you're sort of at the beginning of this transformation, the beginning of that year, you're doing the, you know, you've got plan A, plan B, you're trying to decide like, how did you know, like what point did you come to realize that the, you just weren't built for this corporate life and you had to go all in, like talk to us about that feeling and how you got real, cause you're really clear on it now, but how did that happen? Yeah. So that, here's the reality. And I, again, it's, it, this is my story. I always knew I wasn't built for the corporate because the understand corporate world school, right? Corporate world's employee. It's a different mindset, different operating power. It's just what it mm-hmm. is, right? No matter what level you are and whether you're the employee at the bottom or you're the C executive level, you're the CEO, whatever it is, it's still the same corporate. It's the same structure, mm-hmm. right? You have a boss, you have a manager, you got to show up at nine, you get to leave at five, blah, 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 whatever it might be. School never worked out for me. I hated school. It was the hard. I'm telling you, man, I, get, I still get shivers thinking about it. It was painful. So I always knew I wasn't meant to be put in a structured kind of environment. And then when I entered into the corporate world, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep. So I actually created a great environment for myself because I'll never forget this. You asked the question, actually, I do remember now. I'll never forget this. So when I graduated, I finally graduated university most painful thing I ever did. Mm -hmm. But I finally got out of university and I got to go, okay, let's go get my six figure job because that's what they promise you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you should go out there and you realize it's a $30,000 job, right? 30, (laughs) $40,000. Horrible. Right. So I went out and got my first job. It was coming to the office, 9am, leave four or five, whatever it is, Monday to Friday. No lie. No lie. Monday, I come in the office. By Wednesday that week, three days later, I'm given my resignation letter saying, I'm done. I'm out. I literally was sitting there. I'll never forget. I was sitting there on day two and I had completed all my tasks, everything. Okay. You want me to do that? And I did everything. And I even go, and I always go above and beyond. So I went, I completed and I went above and beyond. I'm at the point where I'm sitting like, what do you want me to do? Cause you don't know. Like I was like, is there anything else? And I remember my boss just looking at me, he said, I don't worry about it. Just hang out and and I said, well, then can I leave? Like, am I allowed to like go home? Like, I'm, I'm done the work. Like, I, I don't want to sit in traffic. I can beat traffic. I'm thinking I can get home, go on my dirt bike, go have some fun. Like, can I leave? Right. And he says, no, no, you got to stay till five. And I was like, I'm done. That's just, that's, am I allowed to swear? Jeez. Yeah. That's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, go for it. Like completely ridiculous. <laughs> like I actually felt like I was back yeah. in school all over again. I knew I couldn't do it. So I actually went to the entrepreneur route kind of, and it didn't work out. I was, it did, I should say it didn't work out, but it was a really hard experience. I ended up having kind of a stay at home job where I was making calls all day. And I, that's where I learned the hard little things about sales and like dialing for dollars, but I was starting to burn out and I had an opportunity mm-hmm. with the sales, uh, with the pharmaceutical company. So I jumped back into corporate, but again, I was on the road. So I never had to go to an office check. Great manager wasn't micromanaging. She called me maybe once every three months. Check. Okay, great. So I thought, oh my God, I like, you got the security of corporations, you got the pension, you got all that stupid shit, right? That doesn't mean anything when you actually retire. But, but then you have the freedom of like an entrepreneur type thing. So I thought this is phenomenal. 
until the company decided to have an acquisition and change the compensation plan. Mm-hmm. Now I have to work three times as hard to make twice as less. Yeah. And that wasn't the first time they did that. So I realized in that moment, no matter what, I'm still, my destiny is in someone else's hands. I'm putting my future in someone else's hands. How does that even like add up? I went to school, I did all this work, and now any, at any given time, even though I was the number one making the most sales, like literally like changing the way sales is done in the industry, I'm still being told how much or how less I can make? No, no, not for me. So I knew I started, I had to look, right? I started to look, I started to think, and that's when I saw kind of the online craze. I saw the online world and I was like, I got to make a jump, but it took a year, yeah, a whole year. I had the ideas, the thoughts, the process. I signed up for this and I had the business, you know, on the side going, but it wasn't a business. It was a hot. Yeah. So when I'm a business, so you went through this progression, it sounds like, and, and you had to learn some of these lessons the hard way as much as someone, Whoa. whether it's on a podcast or a book or whatever can tell you, like you and I are having this conversation. Now someone's listening. you like, someone's going to have to go through it the hard way. Like that's yeah. do that. However, hopefully listening to some of this, you will maybe make that decision a little faster and realize it a little quicker yes. and be able to do something about it. Right. Yes. You eventually did something about it. You were like, you know, it got to burn the ship, so to say, got to yep. get out of here and just do my thing. And if I'm going to fail, then I'm going to fail my way kind of attitude. It sounds like when you went a hundred percent in and you, you got rid of plan B, what did that initial entrepreneurial uh, venture look like for you? <laughs> I love when people ask that the overnight success. Yeah. That's a fake. That's a, that, that is a fail. <laughs> so was that's it like lie. 12 minutes or 12 hours before you got your first was, check in the door, was, right? Was, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, let me tell you this. My first year when I went all in, I had plans of being a millionaire in three months and then, okay, six months, eight months, nine months, 12 months later, I was $150,000 in debt. Mm. I had literally lost, I had lost a $300,000 income. And then I'm now $150,000 in debt. That's a big swing. It's a big swing. That's a big swing. And I went through a lot of growth through that. I took a lot of punches, whether it was investing in the wrong things, going down the wrong rabbit hole, being out of alignment. So this is a huge one. And, and one of the biggest lessons I've learned, I would say in that year, for sure, was it's not about what you think you should do or what you think you want to do. It's what you were born to do. It's what your natural ability is. And it's what, and it's, and it's being at the right time, right moment kind of thing. So for me, I was trying to be this coach, this consultant, but that's not who I am. I'm actually a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a sales guy, right? So I'm trying to be an online internet marketer, but actually my, my expertise, my passion, everything is more into relationship building, connecting over the phone or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So I'm going down chasing the rabbit of, you know, whether it's affiliate marketing, you know, drop shipping, Amazon, all this stuff, right? All right. this online stuff you can hear, but it's none of it's actually congruent to who I am. It's not actually in my wheelhouse, but I'm like, oh, but that person made money and that person made money. And so I kept going down that rabbit hole. And what happened was I ended up being $150,000 in debt till I realized I had to have a hard talk with myself. Mm-hmm. I realized very quickly that, okay, what is that I do? Who am I? And then I found the world of high ticket closing. Yeah. Which was now instead of trying to be the influencer and try to be the big man that everyone sees, just close for them behind the scenes. Mm. So you take a percentage of what they sell. Well, that made sense to me. Well, instead of claiming bankruptcy, which I was literally two people away standing in the bank, 
three months later, I was now making 30, 40 grand a month. Wow. Four months later, 50, 60. I was literally six months after that, I was out of debt. That's amazing. You talked about like what you were born to do. And that sort of implies like a predetermined destiny. I think that's going to rub someone's, you know, chafe someone's uh, butt in, in some weird way, right? Because it's like, I don't I have choice, yeah. right? But you're not talking about a lack of choice. You're talking about like, where does the opportunity and your natural ability align? Yeah, I'm not talking about exactly, not choice. I wasn't born with any, are you kidding me? I was born meat and potatoes fan. My dad was a factory worker. He was a welder his entire life. He's made no more than $50,000 his entire year, his entire life. Mm -hmm. Like he slaved in a factory for 40 years before they gave him some cheap ass watch and they cut his pension. Right. My mom had no education. Both my parents not educated. So like I wasn't given the silver spoon. I had to work for it, but that's also what entrepreneurs do. Right. Most people actually who are given the silver spoon, that's plan B, yep. right? They got plan B, they got plan C, right? Yep. So I want to make sure they under, people understand it wasn't about I was lucky or fortunate to have circumstances. It's, we all have natural ability. We all have some sort of natural ability. Some people are like, well, I don't know what my natural ability is, or I don't know if I do. You do. You just got to figure out what it is. You haven't actually challenged yourself. You haven't put yourself in enough situations where you see where you thrive, Yeah. right? I know what my you know, natural ability is. So I want to make sure that is absolutely clear, right? Yeah. And this whole idea, like, you know, find your passion and build your business, that's such a fucking crock of shit, too. It's such a lie. Like, and I know a lot of business crews are like, don't listen to Kayvon. He's crazy. No, it's a lie when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. when, you're, when you already have a solid foundation and you have all the expertise and you have all the growth and you know how to build multiple business, then you can go build a passion project that turns into it because you can. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you got to do the thing you don't want to do to get to the place you got to go. Yeah. You got to start saying the things you never wanted to say. You got to start operating in ways you never thought you could operate in. So you can finally become the person or have the things you've always wanted, right? So for me, like, did I want to be on the calls all over again? Hell no. I just spent 10 years on the phones, mm -hmm. but this was a little bit different. Yeah. Right. Did I want to go and, you know, pound the pavement? No. All over again. I just spent a year and a half pounding the pavement and failing, but I had to do it all over again. I didn't want to do that, but I had to do that over again Yeah. and over again and over again. Now I don't need to pound the pavement that much harder to get to where I want to go. Cause I got the knowledge. I got the network. I got, you know, we got the things, but it wasn't easy to get here. See, most people I'll tell you, this is the biggest problem, Hans. And I know I'm doing a lot of talking here, but you got to no, keep going. going. This is okay. great. Here's the biggest problem is you got all these people, right? And then I, and I say this with passion and you probably hear it in my voice because I remember this, like, keep in mind, Hans, this was only mm -hmm. four years for me. Four years ago, I was sitting at the edge, you know, the metaphorical edge yep. we all talk about. Right. And I was watching everyone else fly by. I was watching them all have the things I wanted. And I was thinking about what life would look like when I could fly without actually ever leaping, without actually ever jumping. Yeah. And then when I realized I had a jump and I'm telling people, just jump. Cause I'll tell you this, what's the worst case that's going to happen. You're going to fall. You're going to hit the ground. And guess what? You've been there before mm -hmm. and you gotten yourself up, you dust yourself and you keep going back at it. Or you are going to jump and you're going to find your wings and you're going to soar. See, the thing is, the human intuition in that moment doesn't care about the economy, doesn't care about what your mom, your daddy said, or your friend says, doesn't care about any of the judgment. It doesn't care about this, that. It only cares about one thing, and that is, what is your command for today? Your human intuition only asks, what is my command for today? Most people are sitting there watching everyone go by, wondering what it will look like to fly without ever actually really jumping. And I'm just here, if I can, give anybody 
if you know you're that person, this isn't for everybody. Let me just make sure this isn't for everybody. But if you know you're that person and you've been sitting on that fence, it's not going to serve you. It doesn't serve anyone. And in fact, it's a detriment. Do yourself a favor and jump. So at least you know you did it. Or make a decision and go back the other way. But either way. Or go back the other way. Thank you. You make the decision and be okay. And you're going to be better. Like the, a bad decision is better than no decision. Yeah. And I think for those of you who remember back to when Rick Cunningham was on the show, that's something he talked about is like, he's willing to make eight wrong decisions in the time that most people make one. Yeah. And he ends up, you know, owning 27 real estate offices and escrow and title companies and all this, like, you know, half of the California real estate market, it sounds like, but it's crazy when you think about the action and and something you said a few minutes earlier, which was you haven't had enough experiences. Well, making those decisions, getting out and like to the world, you know, making the phone calls, trying the different jobs, like just getting out there, getting your hands dirty uh, so to speak, even though we're not working with yeah, our no, hands but anymore. Yeah, it's literally rolling up the sleeves and getting your hands right. dirty and not being afraid to fall, not be afraid to like work and take chances, right? See, here's the thing is you got to be willing to go after your dream at the risk of everyone's disapproval. Yeah. That was the key for me. I stopped caring what my friends, my family, my teachers, everyone thought of me. I didn't give a shit anymore because I knew caring about what they thought was keeping me in submission. It was actually making me miserable because here I am that had dreams and I knew I could be bigger. I knew I could do great things, but I'm more worried about what they think. So now I'm caught in this, what I call like that purgatory, Mm -hmm. which is like in this middle where it's so, it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't help anybody, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't make anybody happy. Your family, your friends see you miserable. You're miserable because you're trying to serve two worlds. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, I realize I was, I didn't care. I stopped. I didn't care. I did it with the risk of everyone's disapproval, but I also did it in the sense that I was going to be selfish. I learned to be incredibly selfish for a couple of years so that I can come back and be incredibly generous. Not many people are willing to be that selfish for their own dream. Yeah. I got to help my family. I got to help. I got my brother. I got to take, he relies on me. Mm -hmm. Well, how are you taking care of him right now? Yeah. You're not, you're in the same shit as they are. Get out of the shit. Get out of the mind space that, you know, you know, the energy of this, what's not serving you. Now, a lot of people are, you know, are fortunate enough to not have that right more. It's more their own fears, but most people have, you know, circumstances that they look at as their fortress. Mm -hmm. I look at those circumstances as my fuel. Yeah. So instead of being the victim, right, I want to turn that and become the victor. Yep. Yeah. I love that, man. So we've talked a lot about the mindset and like the identification of what works for you, what doesn't get out there and actually try some stuff. You know, that being said, like people can, one of my favorite quotes that I think I heard Gary Keller bring up on a podcast recently, the CEO of Keller Williams is if um, I get to the, to see the the heights of giants, it's only because I'm standing on their shoulders. Or he said so, something, you think he was re-quoting someone. Yeah. The concept meaning you can learn from others, right? Yes. And you in the sales space, um, you obviously help people learn how to sell better and be a better salesperson so that hopefully when they go out and they actually try and make those phone calls and fall flat on their face, they do it a few less times yeah. than if they would have just been trying themselves. So what is it that you do when you go work with someone to, to get them uh, selling at a higher level? Well, there's a lot of things that go into that loaded question, but um, <laughs> what I, but yeah, so exactly what I do is I either help teams or individuals, coaches, consultants, thought leaders, authors, anybody who's selling a product that they have, uh, more services, 
And I teach them, it's not about selling. Mm. What I do is I teach them how to connect with their prospect Hmm. and how to get to the prospect's level of where they're at. See, a lot of salespeople, you see the use, come on down. It's all come on down, right? Mm -hmm. My philosophy is different. You know, you go to them and you hold enough space for them to be able to make the decision to move forward with you. If I have to sell you, if I have to give you my products and my features, I'm acting like a traditional salesperson. I don't tell people to act like a traditional salesperson. I said, in fact, if you're acting like a traditional salesperson in this day and age, it's over. Mm-hmm. You're a thing of the past. You're a dinosaur. It doesn't work. Today, people are way more sophisticated. The buyer's way more sophisticated. Yeah. So as salespeople, it's not about trying to sell. You can go on the internet and view the product. You can see the product. It's not about that. As, as, as salespeople, it's your time now to be connectors and be able to connect to your prospect at such a deeper level where they know, trust, and like you Mm -hmm. and where you can make them feel seen, heard, and right. Because if I can make you feel seen, heard, and right, Hans, and you know, like, and trust me, you think you're going to move forward? You think you're going to make the decision to move forward with me? Probably. It's all about authority. It's not about authority of being better. It's about authority of being the expert. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm now positioning myself as an expert, just like a doctor comes in. Are they excited when they walk? No, they're an authority. You give them the information, they ask the questions. So you ask questions. You ask questions. Excuse me, there's that phrase that's coming to mind, which I'm, you know, sell ice to an Eskimo. It's like, I'm such a good salesperson, right? It's like, that's such an old school way of thinking that I think everybody holds on to when they think sales. Like I'm in real estate. I'm a real estate agent. You know, I'm akin to getting a root canal and like dealing with a used car salesman, broadly speaking. And I try to do everything I can to not be that person (laughs) and to do what you're suggesting. But you're even taking that a step further and say, we're not selling, we're connecting. And we're just trying to connect dots to make sure that you know that I can solve your problem. If I can't solve your problem, then I'm going to hope probably tell you where to go. I'm not going to be there. Solve it. Exactly. You're not going to close everyone you speak to and you shouldn't. And nobody does, right? You don't want to close everybody. You don't close everybody. You're supposed to close the right person. But everybody's talking about closing ratios. How are we supposed to like have salesman of the year awards and stuff if we're not selling everybody? Ah, uh, you like that. I love that you say that. So let me tell you a story. You ready for this? Bring it. How did I become salesman of the year for the largest pharmaceutical company? And I mean, blowing the competition out of the water, blowing my own people and my company out of the water so much so that they were working with the competition to try to take me down. My own people were going into my customer store, starting lies and rumors about me Jeez. because it wasn't about the closing ratio. It's about relationships and it's about numbers. Numbers don't lie and relationships cannot be built on numbers. Mm. Okay. So what I did in the long story short is I had 250 different accounts, 250 plus accounts. That means 250 different offices I have to walk into and try to create, listen to this, a 15, $16 million budget on pills that cost less than a cent. Legit. Yeah. Some of them less than a cent. That's a lot of volume you got to move, right? I had reps that were going around. I call them. They're, what are you doing? Oh, they're driving all over the country. They're driving hours on hours on hours. And I said, no, no, no. It's got to be a better way. So I looked at my 250 accounts and I realized that of the 250, there was only 50 of them that actually can make things move for my budget. And then when I dug deeper, I realized there's only 20 of them that I needed to make sure that I made my budget. 
the rest was going to be gravy. Mm -hmm. So instead of driving around, right, instead of calling everybody, instead of trying to just chase people down, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. I knew exactly who I wanted to go to. And I knew the conversations I needed to have. Now, when I went to see them, I didn't have the sales conversation. I had the relationship building conversation. How can I help you? How can I serve you? What are some challenges? What can, if we can change something for you, what would that be? And I built relationship equity. And when it was time, then I asked. Then I said, hey, do you mind supporting me? And guess what every single one of them said? Hell yeah. How much? What do you need? And they would sit there and actually put the order in for me as I went. And then you know what I did? I said, oh, that's enough. That's all I need. I don't want you to give too much to me because I know there's other reps out there that they need the help to. Yeah. I don't want to take all the business. I said, you and I, this is the business good here. As long as you tell, as long as you promise me, you're not going to wreck this here. We're good to go. Why was I doing that? Because I knew all the other reps were coming in and talking mad shit about me. And what am I doing? I'm talking, I'm helping them out. I'm trying to make them sales for them. Right. Yeah. So it's not about the closing ratio. It's not. Because the person who doesn't look at the closing ratio and the closer, the salesperson who looks at the numbers properly, looks at connecting with their prospect properly, they're going to automatically have the best closing ratio. Yeah, man. But if you go looking at the closing ratio, you're going to lose the sale. You know, I love that because I actually, just before we got on this podcast, I had a Zoom call with a potential, with a client who I've been working with for a couple of weeks now to buy a house. And they're like, yo, Hans this opportunity came up. My grandmother unfortunately passed away, but we might be able to buy her house from the trust. And it's not in the geography that I serve and that's fine. And I was like, yo, that is super cool. Do it. And as a matter of fact, don't just do it. Like here are all the people you're going to need to facilitate it. And basically I'm not getting paid if they do that, obviously. And then within that conversation, I was like, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to think about. Write this down, Google this, do that. And then by the end of it, they're like, this is so great. Obviously, if it doesn't work out, we'll call you. And we know a lot of people and you're getting all of our referrals. Like in 20 minutes, bang, you know? Exactly. Lead with value, the value first. Yeah. I tell people, it's not about the sale. You said it, which was great. You said, everybody that comes to me or my team, they have a problem. You have a solution. Bigger the problem, bigger the opportunity. Yep. Your job is not to sell the product, the widget, the service. Your job is to offer the solution to their problem, is to fix the problem, is to get them into a better place. People don't buy products. They don't buy services. People buy better versions of themselves, no matter what. Mm. When I go and buy my Audi and I'm upgraded to the Ferrari, I'm not going because the Ferrari is that much faster and that and that, that. No, I'm going because that freaking Ferrari is a better version of myself. When I go and get my suit, it's a better version of myself. When I go buy the better toothbrush at the freaking pharmacy, the electric toothbrush that has the Bluetooth button. Yeah, it makes my teeth maybe a little bit whiter, but it's a better version of myself. Mm -hmm. That's what people are buying. You people don't buy in logic, they buy an emotion. And then they think logic. Yeah. And bringing this back to the person who's just starting out, because we are getting to the end of the time here. Yes. Um, you know, the move to, you know, help someone kind of cut you out of a transaction or to build that relationship, it's a longer term game. And when you're starting out, it's not always simple to like no. think that way. Cause you're thinking I got to put some freaking food on the table this week, this month, I got a mortgage to pay. Yeah. So when someone's just starting out and they haven't built the pipeline in the book of business to have the 
luxury of kicking someone down the line a little bit, how can they go about bringing that service into the relationship and start building the relationship equity? Well, I mean, you got to go out there right away, right? See, like that's, I mean, that's a, got to give me a little bit more example of, to be honest with that on that one. But let's just say you're saying, how do you build a relationship equity fast? Well, the faster you ask the question, how can I help you? How can I serve you? What can I do for you? The faster you learn the game, faster you learn the knowledge, the faster you get out there and see more people. So when someone's starting out, they got to work harder than everybody else. You're starting out, you're starting from scratch. They don't have the luxury of sitting back and just relying on the network. That's what the hustlers, that's what they say. You got to go hustle. Yeah. You have to go hustle. You got to be willing to hustle. But hustling is one thing. Hustling smart Mm. with intention is a whole other different thing. Because people, I see people hustling, working hard, working hard, but are you working smart? It's not about how many hours you're putting in. It's how many appropriate smart hours you're putting in. You see, for me, I can get more done in two hours than most people can get done in five hours. But I learned that as a skill. I learned how to do that. I learned how to see or acknowledge what's not real and what is real. Hence, was I driving around 250 accounts? No. I was driving around to 50 and in fact, 30 accounts. So I was going to those accounts a lot more. So instead of what would take me a year or two years to build, I literally did it in less than that in half in six months. I had what most relationships take three years. I had it six months because I got to see them more. I asked more questions. I got to build the relationship quicker. You got to find in sales, you know this, you got to find that common ground. And if you don't know what it is and you can't find it, guess what the answer is? You got to find it. You got to find it. Yeah. You got to figure it. You got to figure it out. Right. So for me, my industry, I know we got to go, but I just, my industry was all golf. I freaking hate golf. Hate it. I wasn't going to, I definitely wasn't going to connect them on golf in the pharmacy. And I sure as hell was not going to connect with them on the golf course. I had to find my, I had to find what it was. Luckily, I found out that some of my top um, pharmacists, they like to ski. Well, I'm a ski racer. I used to ski for national team. You think if they saw me on my skis, they can respect me? The smartest decision I ever made. Brought them to the ski hill, brought them to a beautiful ski hill. And I said, and I basically just say, hey, guys, watch this. One lap. The respect for me was at a whole different level. That's awesome. I had to find the common ground. That's killer, man. And that you answered the question super well, I think. I mean, just hustling intelligently and strategically is, is that answer in the very beginning but being willing to solve someone's problem and build the relationship is absolutely how you start. hundred percent agree. Be intentional. Everything you do is with intention. You can't lose. Well, Kayvon, we've, like I said, we're getting to the end of the time. I really appreciate everything you brought today. I want to transition us to the last section of the show called the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I am. First question. What, book have you gifted most often? Shed Holmes, The Ultimate Sales Machine. Because a lot of people ask me for, uh, you know, the one of the best books I wrote, I've read. So Chet Holmes, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as oh. many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? To be honest with you, um, I know this might be a little too personal, but I'd, I'd, it'd be my grandfather. I never met him. And I know that I'm a spinning image of him. And I love to just ask him how he created his greatness and to have that time with him is something powerful for me. 
What is one thing you think, or you believe rather, that most people would disagree with you on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you got to ask for what you want under no circumstances. You got to be relentless and you got to be willing to be loud. Mm. Awesome. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? I start my day, wake up in the morning early. I'm a morning person. I found that waking up early is actually, and you know, studies show it's scientifically better. So I wake up in the morning. I will take, you know, drink my coffee, read the, you know, quick bullshit news if there's news out there just to understand a little bit what's going on in the marketplace. And then I either go, you know, exercise, read a book, uh, do my journaling, right? The gratitude journaling, and then I get right to work. Right on. Short and sweet. The morning miracle. Love it. Right? Um, Kayvon, this has been awesome. What is the best place that the audience can connect with you online? Yeah, if you want the best place to come visit me, you know, my Facebook group, which is called Master the Art of High Ticket Sales. And then there you can get, we give content. We have an awesome community there. Always opportunities. If you're someone looking for a job, uh, it's a great community. So it's called Master the Art of High Ticket Sales on Facebook. We will link to that down in the show notes, guys, so you can easily yeah. find it, join the community, and get connected. Kayvon, this has been really awesome. Thank you for your time today. Really appreciate all the value. Love to being here. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. If you want to connect with Kayvon, head down to the show notes. I've got all his stuff linked up. If you want to learn about sales, follow him on social or just send him a message of and show him some love. That's the place to do it. If you got some value out of that, please head over to iTunes, leave it a rating and review because it does help me really grow the show and getting some critical feedback on what kind of guests we should bring on, what questions I should ask, all of that fun stuff. So thank you so much for doing that for those of you who have and for those of you who will, thanks in advance. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and log it off for today. So this is Hans Struzina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.